And now, our feature presentation. Hello and welcome to episode three of Feature Presentation, a mini-series about the art and design of movies. I'm Phoebe Paradise, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Sam McKenzie. Hi, Sam. Hi, Phoebe. How are you? <laughs> I'm so good. Now, Sam is at that special age where he's only got one thing on his mind. <laughs> And that's movies, yeah, baby. that's right. Movies. <laughs> got movie fever. <laughs> Sam and I have challenged six artists to create an original bootleg daybill movie poster of a classic film that features the magical and mystical cinematic trope of rotoscope lightning. This is in support of 2-Bit Movie Club and the Brisbane-only Rotoscope Lightning Film Festival. How do you pronounce that one? Both. Both. Each episode, we interview one of these artists about their film selection, their design process, and more broadly about their relationship with cinema. Our guest today is a good friend of ours who we absolutely love to bits. She's an incredibly talented illustrator, artist, and entrepreneur. She's the brains behind Helio Press, a risograph printing studio in the engine room for Melbourne's best zines, art prints, and beautiful curiosities. A prolific working artist, you may be familiar with her work from gracing the covers of magazines, gig posters and record covers around Australia. I personally look up to her a great deal and I'm so stoked that we've been able to trick her into doing this art show with us. <laughs> Ashley Running is here. Hi, Hi Ashley. Hello. Thanks for having me. What a beautiful intro. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Of course. We're so excited. And Ashley, I would love it if you could please do us the honor straight off the bat of revealing what film that we are bootlegging today. My film is, drumroll. <laughs> the Adams Family Values. Oh. <laughs> that is right. The film that Ashley is uh, developing a Daybill movie poster for and will be screening at both as part of a double feature with The Adams Family. The Adams Family Values, uh, the 1993 family adventure action comedy movie. <laughs> uh, it, it's cross-genre. It's, it's a mixed bag. It is. Um, but before we get into the film itself, um, Ashley, could you please tell us a little bit about your print studio, Helio Press? What's risograph printing? Well, risograph printing is like a combination between photocopying and screen printing. So on the outside, it looks like a photocopier, but inside there's an ink drum. Uh, you print one color at a time and you've got to put the print through the machine uh, one time for each color that you print out. Mm -hmm. And the ink colors that you get with risograph are super vibrant and beautiful and so it has a really beautiful unique style that i love yeah. oh it looks incredible and i love the sort of like um it has really sort of despite being a machine and it has a really handmade feel like mm -hmm. the way the colors overlap and sometimes the different uh layers being a little bit off register uh, just adds to its charm, I reckon. Yeah, as absolutely. A it's like this really, really beautiful printing style that has a real translucent quality to it as well. You get these like beautiful neon ink uh, that comes through, but then you can have like these sort of translucent layers that create new colors and, um, you know, has that really like powdery kind of handmade feel to it. Yeah. It's Absolutely stunning. And is um, risograph still like a widely used format or is this like an age old? This is from like the 80s. Yeah, the technology was invented in the 80s and mm -hmm. uh, they really tried to push it for offices and schools and places mm -hmm. that would need to make a lot of copies of one thing. Um, but I, st I probably started seven years ago and it was like a little bit harder to find stuff and it was really hard to find resources and information but now mm. it's way more widely used by artists all those machines that were in offices have been taken up by artists and printing studios and people are making really cool stuff it's come a long way it's so good uh, is that because uh maybe 
not many of the machines really got shipped to Australia in the sort of heyday. Yeah, I think Australia was a little bit left out and um, like sometimes I'll get stuff shipped in from overseas but mm. uh, every now and then you'll find a secret one in Australia. <laughs> like in the a way. <laughs> in someone's basement. The two I have, uh, one's from the Defence Force and one really? is <laughs> from the University of Sydney. <gasps> no way. Yeah, oh, my gosh. That's kind of beautiful, taking an ex-army <laughs> risograph <laughs> and printing <laughs> out zines. And... Oh, there was actually, when I got it, there was a flyer from, I mean, like, it must have been early 2000s or 90s from the National Gallery of Australia on one really? of the ink drums. The stencil wow. is still on there. Wow. That's incredible. So it wasn't just used for like memos in ASIO or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like. I'm, I'm thinking of like <laughs> warnings and stuff that printed in like neon pink and teal. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I wish. I missed out on that stuff. <laughs> ASIO <laughs> sending memos to one another and they're covered in all of the like little stars that are yeah, used. Yeah. <laughs> that was so cute. Out half tones. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's so fabulous, Ashley. You, you've obviously got this amazing relationship with print media, with your print press business. Um, you also are like, in my mind, the queen of zine making uh, in Australia. <laughs> you've like brought this like incredible culture to the forefront. Like, you know, you run wo workshops, like you do a lot of printing and making of, of zines yourself. Do you have much of a relationship with uh, movie posters and paraphernalia in, in a similar way? You know what? It's I haven't made any myself and I haven't um, been collecting them for long, mm. but uh, the further and further I dive into uh, cult films and stuff, I'm definitely starting to get into it like... I've got a few up at home and um, now that I've learned all about day bills, I'm going to have my eye out for them. Nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. I've, I've heard that a few times from people now. I'm like, fuck, are we like driving up the market value of, <laughs> of these day bills now? <laughs> Rent's going up, baby. Yeah, we won't think about that. <laughs> Do you feel like cinema has made an impact on your visual style um did you have much of a relationship with movies growing up as a kid yeah it was for me it was a really great way to kind of get away and have some alone time like I was so into Disney um as a little kid <laughs> yes. and then my auntie also had this great kind of 80s uh cassette collection um so I got into stuff like the last unicorn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. It's so scary. <laughs> yeah, so many of those kids' movies uh, all the time have like deeply traumatic stuff in them. Yes. <laughs> I don't know whether it's to teach children about death or something like that, or if the creators are just a bit like uh, edgelordy. <laughs> but yeah. I, I think it's possible maybe back in, in those days, like it there was a lot less of a um, market research on every element of a film and a lot more just sort of like auto filmmaking, like those sorts of choices may have been like, you know, voted out of the <laughs> out of the boardroom meetings like in, in today's world. But back in the early 90s, it was a bit more of a Wild West. You could make a movie like Plague Dogs <laughs> and be like, yes, this is technically a film that children can watch, but they'll never be the same again. <laughs> yeah. I forget if The Last Unicorn is a Don Bluth film, but I really loved the all the Don Bluth films, like the, it, it had that Disney, beautiful Disney quality that I loved as well as that yeah. spookiness that gives kids nightmares. Yeah. Did he do like Five All Goes West? Yeah. And I used to love those. But yeah, they also <laughs> usually had something in them that was like scarring for a long time. I think also yeah. they, the that particular era, a lot of the, the visual uncanniness of the early rotoscoping really struck struck a chord with kids. Because, well, it was Don Bluth, he had worked for Disney, I believe, and then went and made his own, own yeah, studio yeah. to sort of have a bit more control and mm -hmm. uh, sort of lean into the animation side of it more and hire people who yeah. wanted to do their own thing. And they, it's amazing what they've made for a fraction of the money that, uh, you know, like that a Disney movie at the time would have cost, just the like sheer amount of like animation quality. 
Another favourite um, of Don Bluth's uh, is Thumbelina. Yes. Oh, I never saw that one. It's got, it's like, that one's really heavy on the kind of strange rotoscopy character stuff. Yeah. I highly recommend it. It's, it's spooky and strange and a lot of fun. Oh, I'm looking at this now. I think I really missed the boat on this particular era of animation. Like I've seen all of the kind of Disney classics, Last Unicorn, Thumbelina. These movies didn't quite make it into the to the home cinema box. They look kind of terrifying. I'm looking at a lot of screenshots here. This yeah. is like some pretty dark stuff. Well, yeah, this is all stuff that um, you had to find in a video shop because I don't think they were playing this on TV. Uh, well, they might have, but anyway, I just remember sort of stumbling across these in the video shop as a kid. Yeah, that's truly something. Oh, well, maybe I'll add this to the list. I've been watching a lot of kids' kids shows, it feels like, for, <laughs> it feels in the lead-up like to it. this. I wonder whether um, this will have any rotoscope lightning in it too. <laughs> uh, probably. Yeah. Um, but to bring it full circle, like, you know, it's, it's interesting that you mention those sorts of early um, animated kids' films and having those sorts of, like, creepy undertones because I feel like... The film selection today, Adam's Family Values, has a lot in common with those films where you've got, you know, what is on paper a family movie um, but is just absolutely littered with um, some really, really dark content. Uh, I reckon we should jump into it. How close to the contractions? Every 15 seconds, Doctor. Are you in unbearable pain? My darling, is it torture? We. Oui. Forceps. Forceps. Go ahead. What news? Father, what is it? It's an Adams. He has my father's eyes. Gomez, take those out of his mouth. He's an adorable little baby. Fine. Rub it in. Children, why do you hate the baby? We don't hate him. We just want to play with him. Especially his head. You'll meet someone, someone very special. Someone who won't press charges. Isn't he a lady killer? Acquitted. Women must follow you everywhere. Store detectives. And the stork flew down from heaven and turned into a baby. Our parents had sex. The uh, Adams Family Values. The Barry Sonnenfeld classic family film that manages to find some perfect balance of high camp performances from its outstanding cast, some early Simpsons era level of script writing, fabulous costuming, fabulous set design, fabulous matte paintings. What can I say? This movie fucks. Um, <laughs> it was really, really fun and perhaps in a way that maybe family movies won't be able to be again. I don't know. It, it felt relatively unconcerned with plot, more like a series of sketches. And like we said, it's got that really like dark, it's not even subtext, it's text. It's, just, it's a dark movie. What did you guys think? I, I really love it. It's got everything. It and does. yeah, it was really shocking. Some of the jokes that they managed to get away with. <laughs> Lots of baby killing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the central premise of the film. Yeah. And, you know, obviously adult jokes. Because I guess I always assumed this was a kid's movie aimed at kids, but maybe it's not. I don't know. I think tonal whiplash is going to be a recurring thing, yeah. <laughs> like with Howard the Duck. Uh, it's like, you know, yeah. kind of aimed at children, but none of the jokes would be anything they'd get. No, no. And it, it is funny um, to see, watch a movie like The Adams Family Values and then try and put it in a modern day context where you see a lot of hand wringing about, um, you know, adult themes in kids' movies, like, you know, people getting upset about gay kissing in like the, um, uh, what do you oh, call Buzz it? Yeah, the Buzz Lightyear movie. Like, it almost feels like we've gone backwards towards a more puritanical approach towards kids' film. When you watch a movie uh, like not this. Not just in kids' film, I think. Yeah, in every the world film. at the moment is. Uh... <laughs> 
it, uh, headed in a puritanical uh, Yeah, direction. it really Backwards. is. Yeah. It, it feels like it's insane to watch a movie from 1993 that had like such a huge, huge cinematic release that is, it's dirty. This is a dirty movie. <laughs> Um, I think that we would be remiss not to start this chat without mentioning the central cast of the film. So oh, incredible cast. This cast is fucking crazy. So we've got Angelica Houston as Morticia, Raul Julia as Gomez, Christopher Lloyd as Fester and Joan Cusack as Debbie Jelinski. Uh, also, Christina Ritchie as Wednesday Adams. Yeah, and Carol Kane is the granny. Absolutely. We also have a, a cameo by Tony Shalhoub, <laughs> Tony my Shalhoub. boyfriend. <laughs> Um, who was your favourite uh, member of this incredible cast from the movie, Ashley? Oh, it's so hard to choose. I mean, I adore Angelica Houston oh. um, performing as Morticia. She's just like oozing charisma and yes. mystery. And that old-fashioned um, Bella Lugosi uh, light over her yeah, eyes. We the, were just talking about the, like, this. The vampy sort of. Yeah, old Hollywood femme fatale Lighting strip effect. of light across the eyes is incredible. Yes, and just how she's framed in every single shot. Like when she's just by herself, she's always center camera staring just straight down the barrel of the thing. And every time it cuts to her alone in a shot, it's like they've rubbed Vaseline yeah. on the screen, as, on, yeah. on the lens as well. It like goes super so gauzy. Super gauzy, um, you know, obviously the way that she's shot, the way that she's dressed is fabulous. The costumes are like absolutely to die for. Um, as someone who dresses very boring on day to, in day-to-day life, I'm like, I just watched this movie and I'm like, fuck, it would be great to just try a little bit harder in life, you know what I mean? And just commit to a bit like this. It's uh, She's fabulous. I also got a shout out Debbie and her beautiful costumes. Oh my gosh. I couldn't pick a favorite. Yes, I, I did. I kind of put it out to Twitter last night. Uh, did some like posted some screenshots of Angelica Houston and um, Joan Cusack. I'm like, no one has been as beautiful as Angelica Houston and Adam's family values. Also, nobody has ever been as beautiful as Joan Cusack and Adam's family values. Like, the filmmakers took great care in making sure that not only was everyone absolutely fucking great to look at, even the, the you know, the like quote unquote ugly characters like Uncle Fester, you know, at no point in the film did they feel like they weren't entirely embodying their character. And I don't think it's just the incredible performances, but it was like due to those like just absolutely spot on costuming, makeup, the set design, like everyone was just in their place perfectly. Who yeah. was your favorite of the of the bunch, Sam? Oh, it's gotta be Morticia. But yeah, like going back to that lighting, that strip of light across the oh, eyes, yeah. no matter where she was. And I was watching it and I was like, that is so good that that's in every scene. Yes. And then there'll be shots where she's standing next to like Gomez or Wednesday. And I realized that Sometimes they must do it with makeup instead where they like, <laughs> you know, like sort of darken away from her eyes a little bit mm-hmm. to make it seem like the lighting is like that, which I thought was pretty clever just to have yeah, that Yeah, I didn't think time. of that. Good thought. Um, yeah. And oh, like the whole cast is inspired. Like Raul Julia is Oh, my God. Rest amazing. in peace, big dog. Yeah, just like going fucking ham <laughs> like so over the top he looked like he was having just the absolute best well, time that, while doing this you can tell that everyone in this movie is just having a ball like because they yeah. get to be real life cartoon characters yes which is something the movie really hones in on to like sort of embrace the it's uh comic strip origins yeah definitely um, I think that this couldn't have been better cast. Like, you know, there's obviously been many iterations of the Adams family, um, you know, over the over the decades. But I think that this this film in particular really stands out as like the platonic ideal of the Adams family. Um, I think there was one a few years later where they had um, what's her name? Oh, from- Daryl Hannah. Yeah, Daryl yeah. Hannah. 
um, as Morticia, and obviously she looked stunning, but I just, when I close my eyes and think of who Morticia is at night, and now I'll be doing that for weeks on end, Angelica <laughs> Houston is, is, who, is who truly comes to mind. <laughs> Did you have any other um, favourite moments from this film, Ashley? Oh, I mean, the bathtub scene is probably a favourite. <laughs> It's, they're like uh, Debbie and um, Uncle Fester are newlyweds and uh, Uncle Fester is having a bath and mm-hmm. Debbie Jelinski is giving him a big speech about Would you die know, why he me? needs to die and <laughs> throws, throws the stereo in the tub and he just, he doesn't die, he just loves it. <laughs> He's such a little pervert. Yeah. He's like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. And that's where they get to sneak in that old sort of gag from the old TV show where he'd put a light bulb in his mouth and yes. it would light up. Oh, gosh. I Yeah, I do remember that. I, I should probably mention the, um, the overarching plot of this film. So Adam's Family Values is the sequel to The Adam's Family, which came out a few years earlier. The Adams family have a new member, a new addition to the family. <laughs> um, Morticia gives birth to a little baby called Pubert. Pubert. And this is this plot, again, I think I mentioned, it feels like secondary to the overall just like series of sketches and jokes that happen. But effectively, the kids of the family, Wednesday and Pugsley, and Pugsley uh, are jealous of the baby, and so they go through a series of attempts to uh, kill this baby, <laughs> which, again, family movie, it sounds really dark, and it is, but it, it's it's very funny. And then in comes Joan Cusack, uh, the most beautiful woman in the world, as a babysitter, yeah. but she has a sordid past. Debbie Jelinski is a black widow, uh, so she latches on to Uncle Festa, the rich brother of um, Gomez, and uh, attempts to destroy his life um, for his money. That's a that's a pretty good wrap yeah, up of it. Destroy right? his life by murder. By oh yeah, d- destroy his life uh, with murder, moist foul. <laughs> <laughs> and um, those opening sequences where the the kids are, are trying to kill baby pubert, like that that's something. Baby pubert who. <laughs> Again, incredibly inspired name. Pubert is such a <laughs> funny name for a child. Uh, but I, I love that he has Gomez's pencil mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and just poorly applied white paint all over his yeah. little little baby head the whole movie. Yeah. So, like I said, this movie feels like a series of sketches. And so this these sketches begin with uh, Pugsley and, and Wednesday trying to kill the baby. They try to throw pubert off of the the edge of the building uh off of the incredible adams family house which is all just matte painting oh yeah that that shot um is probably like one of the best matte paintings in the movie because it's yes them on top of the house but the perspective is like so extreme that the house looks like it's a skyscraper yes (laughs) so beautiful so perfect yeah, there's so much care and attention put into the art sort of side of this and embracing that mm-hmm. kind of cartoon cartooniness, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I, while I was watching it, I was sketching so I could get some ideas for my poster and I was trying to get some details like uh, certain parts of the house, like windows or yeah. uh, the shape of the front gate. I was trying to like latch on to those little bits. Oh, nice. I love that. Have you read any of the original um, comic uh, strips from from Charles Adams? No, actually, I'd love to. Oh man! So I I didn't realize this until I kind of had a look a look at the movie. But Charles Adams, uh, he was the the creator of of the Adams family um, back in the day, and this man lived his fantasy <laughs> well, well and truly. Yeah, it, I believe it was based on his family. Yes. The, the spooky, ooky Adamses. Yeah. <laughs> this man literally had a wedding inside a pet cemetery. This was his third wedding video. Whoa. I know, right? Oh, yeah. Well, Phoebe was telling me earlier that uh, a lot of the plot of this movie actually mirrors 
his life. <laughs> yes. I, I could not believe it when I read this. Um, but basically, but Adam's family values had a strange tie to his personal life. So Adams married his second wife called Barbara Barb. Barbara, <laughs> Barbara Barb in 1954. This man was a cartoon. Um, a practicing lawyer. She combined Morticia-like looks with the diabolical legal scheming by which she wound up controlling the Adams Family television and film franchises, and she persuaded her husband to give away a bunch of other legal rights. Um, at one point, she got her husband to take out a $100,000 insurance policy. His lawyer recommended that he divorce her before his <laughs> untimely demise. <laughs> the couple divorced in 1956. He is... Um, uh, actually credited as a co-writer on this film uh, despite passing away like four or five years earlier but it's like this man wasn't just the the writer of the Adams family this motherfucker lived the Adams he family was the Adams he was the family. Adams His name is Charles Adams yeah that's it the um the original comic strips uh first appeared in the New Yorker which I didn't realize so this yeah, was the, a the kind of like single panel kind of uh, yeah. little gags about how you know, bad we, things are good. Yeah, bad things are good. <laughs> and they're weird because they like bad things and they're good. Yeah. Like loving and respecting your wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of incredible how like the whole, the entire premise of this family is that bad things are fantastic. Like everything evil is beautiful. And one of those things is being in love with your wife rather than like hating her guts like every single piece of media from this era. <laughs> oh, what a strange family. How could they do that? They love and support each other. <laughs> Even like, uh, you know, like Uncle Festa, so Morticia and Gomez have their baby and it kind of cements that Uncle Festa has been a lifelong bachelor mm -hmm. and it reinforces that maybe he he wants to get married and find yeah. someone special. So he he, mar he marries um, Debbie, and the Adams family are very accepting of her. Like, yeah, you know she gets she meets all the extended family cousin. Mm -hmm. She sucks life. the fingers of um ugh. oh thing yeah that was a horrible oh, thing. <laughs> I'm like whoa, and I love it because all of the like the crazy shit that she was doing like that where she was like basically like sexually assaulting Uncle Fester in the hand and stuff. And they were like, she seems fantastic. Well, <laughs> what I an mean, amazing on, woman. On paper, she's a black widow killer. Uh, and that kind of fits in with their <laughs> vibe. And not only on paper, but one of my favorite visual gags of this uh, entire movie is she's sitting in bed once she's been hired as the babysitter by the Adams yeah. family and she's watching television and the television show is America's most disgusting unsolved <laughs> crimes. And I'm like, fuck yes. This is like, this era of films have always really perfectly encapsulated some balance between you know, they're like redoing the 60s. So they're doing like a bit of a pastiche on like those, you know, early, early film styles. But they're also really doing a great job at lampooning modern era, which is like the 90s oh, yeah. era of like culture and television and movies. Uh, you know, the, oh God, the, um, the camp that the kids get sent yeah. to. Can we talk about the <laughs> camp for a second? When uh, Joan Cusack is... Except into the family, the kids begin to cotton on to her egregious plan. Oh, like immediately. In instantly, yeah. Instantly they like, oh, yeah, they, they catch her scheming by like hiding inside the office. Um, oh. That's, yeah, the super cartoony thing of Debbie going through all of the like deeds and like all of Uncle Fester's paperwork, which mm -hmm. is all, again, like art department nailed it, all these like old looking documents that are so... They oh. look like they've been pulled out of a crypt or something. Yeah, definitely. There's another great visual gag in that where she's kind of looking at Uncle Fester's proof that he's like this secretly like rich maniac and there's this um, magazine cover, Lifestyles of the Rich and Freakish. <laughs> and he was like the, co the cover boy for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's like an issue of Forbes or something. Yeah, like exactly. Oh, yeah. Partner. 
<laughs> but um, so when she, Joan, uh, when Debbie Jelensky works out that the kids are onto her, she suggests that they get sent to like the Catskills um, to camp. Summer camp. Like, yeah, summer yeah, camp. Yeah, yeah. American. Camp Chippewa. Yeah, plan- yes. Camp Chippewa, that's it. And, you know, Wednesday and Pugsley, who are social outcasts and completely uninterested in, in this lifestyle, uh, yeah, really, really suffer in this world. And it is a really funny look at... I, I, it was something I wasn't expecting from this movie, which was, like, weirdly anti-capitalist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and anti-colonial in, like, yeah. all these really interesting ways. Yeah, again, because it's like... <laughs> The Adams family like things that are <laughs> against the societal norm. And that's yeah. what makes them ooky and spooky. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, I was gonna say there's a there's a weird um a scene in the camp where uh Wednesday um she's on stage as one of the mm-hmm. as Pocahontas with um other kids dressed as Native Americans and she like gives this really insightful political speech about how the pilgrims have taken advantage of our white people have taken advantage of native americans and it's like so i'm sure it would have been ahead of its time then oh yeah. but then it kind of goes backwards again and they like fall back into stereotypes about yeah. native american people it was like almost there i guess it's better than nothing it was so close to being like this really insanely progressive, like progressive in the way that 2022 views progressive ideology. Yeah. And then it, yeah, it, it did do the 90s thing and, you know, went back to the repulsive kind of um, uh, stereotypes about yeah. about um, First Nations people. But it was uh, kind still, you know, just by virtue of it being that era, it was kind of incredible to watch, watch it unfold. Also that scene where um, they're trying to brainwash Wednesday into being a cute and chipper kid so <laughs> oh, that yes. she would take part in the play. They make her watch her and um, Pugsley and uh, her new boyfriend. Oh, in the, Joel Glicker. That's right, they, in the Harmony they, Hut. Yeah, they, make, they force them to watch <laughs> musicals in there. <laughs> That's what they're, they're coming and... I think he's got, I've got a bunch of video, the camp counselor's got a bunch of videotapes and they're like, not Disney movies. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just like an outside shot of the cabin with like musicals going on. Yeah, there's like that whole, like it's like that whole moment where the kids are kind of imprisoned in this summer camp. It's like a separate movie entirely to what's what's going on with the main plot between the the adults of the film and there's so many parts of it that I loved where you know in the way that Adam's family turns everything on its head the camp counselors kind of take on this sort of like horrific sort of caricatures they become these like scary prison guards like the the main camp counselor kind of reminded me of the camp jelly jam cover from goosebumps do you remember that <laughs> yeah, yeah. that iconic image of like the guy with the gigantic teeth and the yeah. over enthusiastic kind of kind of attitude uh it felt like straight ripped out of the pages of goosebumps it's again it's cartoon yeah bring up and they're like you know, the exact mirror image of the Adams family, Gomez and Morticia, you got this camp full of like extremely preppy blonde children. <laughs> <laughs> and the camp counselors are so like relentlessly <clears throat> chipper. And mm-hmm. if, like, because they're always having a go at uh, Wednesday and Pugsley, and then they keep going like, and they're like band of misfits, which is just all the like non white kids and kids with disabilities. <laughs> It's uh, it's something. <laughs> yeah, like I think they were very aware of the sort of commentary they were making in some, you know, in a nineteen ninety three viewed lens. It it's it was really striking to me how those comparisons were happening. It, it felt it felt quite modern. I don't know. It was it was very strange strange to watch a twenty five year old film do this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the right level of cynical for yeah. The time. Ashley, do you remember the bit where Wednesday's telling a scary story in the yeah. camp and the punchline is that like there's this monster that goes around making like young girls get their like old noses back yes. after their nose jobs. <laughs> and they all scream. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> anything but that. Pretty incredible. <laughs> 
Did you ever go to, to one of those summer camps like during school? Um, I didn't go to any that um, I stayed overnight at, but I did do this one that was like for science nerds uh, in high school. Oh, my God. We like spent a week, like each day we would go to one of the two universities in Canberra and we'd like go get to do science experiments. It was really fun. Yeah, cool. Oh my god, I love great. that. Did you two do any camps? I I did one camp. It wasn't summer camp. It was just like a school camp. Yeah, like you, summer, summer camp doesn't really exist here. Yeah. Oh yeah. School, school camps I did go school on. School camps yeah. do. Which I blocked them out of my mind. <laughs> yeah. Which Fair I enough. guess is just like maybe a night or two. I went somewhere. I went to this one camp in in school called Camp Good Enough. And good yeah, good enough. Um, <laughs> not camp great, not camp fabulous, camp good enough. Wow. This is not a drill. This is exactly what it was called. And um, they gave us spam for every single oh. meal, except what they'd do is they'd frame it like it was a different kind of meal. So they'd do like, a, oh, it's a casserole. It's like a pork casserole with like chopped up cubes of spam with like a mashed potato topper like shepherd's pie oh, like yeah and then they were like all right guys for breakfast you're having bacon and eggs and it's fried spam and eggs and like all this stuff and every single kid had to go home early because everyone got um uh, diarrhea or um, oh food God. poisoning <laughs> yeah Wait, yeah so how long was this camp it was like a week a week and a half oh, maybe shit. um and so every single kid was just puking and spewing their guts out the whole time and so and it was pissing down raining as well and it was like an absolute horror movie like these kids like lining up for the toilets just like having to go in the creek and stuff it oh. was um it was fucking crazy man <laughs> fucking awful yeah camp um I don't think there's many people that would have like particularly like loving memories of camp, especially in Australia. I guess it's like just a different, a different kind of culture to America. But like, it, yeah. it seems like if you get a bunch of like kids who are generally very evil um, <laughs> at a certain age, like put them out on a bus and out in the middle of nowhere, they're gonna like terrorize each other. Oh yeah, <laughs> and away from the parents and like mostly away from authority figures because. There's just maybe a couple of people running the camp and maybe a couple of the teachers are gone away. Yeah. But a lot of the time they're unsupervised. Did you have to go to camp up in New Monday? Yeah, yeah. We School camps, uh, went on a couple where, you know, like being a kid and then you're like, oh, summer camp doesn't exist here because you see it in TV and movies all the time, much mm -hmm. like Adam's Family Values. You've probably seen that. And then I did go to one maybe a couple times up there where you did have cabins. Awesome. Um, and you'd fit like four people in them and they had a lake and you go canoeing and stuff like that. Kids getting, you know, pinched by yabbies on the feet <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> um, it's fun, but, you know, it's usually just for like one night or maybe two. Mm -hmm. And usually, if I remember right, it's like in winter, <laughs> so it's freezing. <laughs> yes. But that means you can have fires and stuff. So. Oh, yeah. Making like damper and whatever. Oh, they always do the uh, hot Milo, which was mostly just like hot water <laughs> yeah, like hot right. to make the milk go really far. Yeah, we had a hot Spam. Hot Spam, <laughs> hot spam drink. drink. Yes. Well, enough about school camp. <laughs> um, let's get back to uh, the sort of more parts of this movie that maybe like grabbed your eye for uh, the poster for the exhibition. What? hooked you in, Ashley, visually? Well, I, mean. I think when I first got assigned this film, I was pretty intimidated uh, because it's such a character-led film and yeah. mm. um, I, I don't feel like I'm a very confident character artist, but I'm definitely going to be making the family um, front and centre. Um, awesome. And I also have in mind to maybe have... Debbie on the staircase when she's on the staircase in the beautiful feather gown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Fucking That's iconic. That's iconic. Yeah. And it has one of the best lines in the movie, I think, is when uh, <laughs> Debbie is, like, uh, not allowing Fester to see his family and they all storm the house to go and see what's up. And she's like, no, nah, he won't see you. And Morticia <laughs> goes, it's like you have him under... 
some sort of sexual spell. And I respect that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. so good. But that mansion is uh, so over the top as well and cartoony. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. In the same way, in the way that the Adams Family House is like dark and dilapidated. And this is just like, what like a, there's another barb about pastels. Oh, <laughs> keep keeping Fester prisoner. That I can understand, but Debbie pastels. <laughs> <laughs> so sick. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff there to like draw. Yeah. You know, like color schemes from and. Do you are you going to be incorporating much color into the into the poster? Yeah, maybe like keep it pretty dark and spooky, but get some pops. Mm-hmm. It pops a color in there and maybe some pastels. Just it's called for. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make it like nice and contrasty, like I don't know, another nod to for comics and um yeah. it's a it's a part that the the movie really brought through really nicely. That, that's true, and the visual sort of design of it as well is like there's a lot of um stuff that just makes good patterns in the background. Yeah. Like uh one of my favorite shots is when they're in the Adams family house and they're like Cameras pointed upwards to look at characters sort of like peeking over the railings. Mm-hmm. But the Adams Family house, like all the ceiling slats and everything are so far apart. So all the moonlight's shining through. Yes. So it's just like all these like horizontal beams of light. Yes. It's like stripey, you know, black and white stripes. Yes. Yeah, some really, really, well. really good like ornamental elements pretty much all the way through it. Like it, it's, it's clear that the the set designers worked really hard to go, how do we take this space that, you know, in camera would be just completely pitch black because yeah. there's not like a single light inside. You know, it's like a yeah. candle candle lit mansion. Um, and so elements like that, that staging design where they've got the moon glow kind of falling through the house, which is falling apart and all of the like, you know, I, one of my favorite visual elements of those 90s movies is nighttime is blue. Yeah. It's not black. It is, <laughs> it is just like, bright like royal blue and purple um and so you've got those sort of like bright like you know stage lights kind of coming through um in in what you know would would probably be in camera like just a really dark space (laughs) without any any detail um do you have any other aesthetic details from this film that really jumped out to you that you want to zero in on um other than obviously the the fabulous characters and their costuming definitely true a few wallpaper designs and a few yes. textile designs from costumes and also like, wow, that is the perfect candelabra. I'm going to draw that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, God. Do you ever watch these movies and just think like, where are these set pieces now? Like, what you know, which movies did these just get like redistributed and reused in or whether they're just sitting in some back lot somewhere just like or, someone- or auctioned off or like, you know. <laughs> As someone who's worked on films and has been making props, I can tell you it's a mystery to me too. <laughs> I think I, I think some people get to take them home. The studio keeps some. Um, a lot of them are hired. Uh, yeah. Can you tell I us think, a little bit about your 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 work with uh, films? Oh yes. Um, I I studied graphic design and uh, I think my teacher then um, Steph she could tell that I wouldn't be a normal graphic designer (laughs) and she (laughs) she had a friend in the film industry and she um very kindly uh uh, linked me in with this amazing um art director ben barber and he took me along as an intern to a few different things um i worked on oh the first thing was this fpos ad that was like (laughs) really elaborate and fun and um there was an australian tv series called better man uh, not the Robbie Williams one, um, oh. a different one. <laughs> what, what what kind of work were you involved in there? Uh, oh, on Better Man, I think one of the more memorable jobs was I had to make like a tiny version of a set that was a prison cell um, so that they could figure out where to get the camera in. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that was wow. fun. That's really, yeah, that's sweet. And like, I figure nowadays they'd just probably do like a digital mock-up. Previs, yeah. They call it like, in, yeah, but in comics and like video games and stuff, when you like 
when the designers sort of plot out the arena. I think they call it like a mud map. Oh, yeah, so yeah. so you know where things are. You can do all but the blocking from that. That's so cool to like, you know, essentially make like miniatures of something. Yeah, that it was fun. Sounds really fun to make. It would have been great to be able to have enough time to do it in colour and detail and stuff, but yeah. it was just it was just pretty plain. Uh, and then the biggest thing I worked on was a film called The Dressmaker. No um, way! Oh, my God, I've <laughs> seen that movie. It's got our Kate in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, sorry, Kate, Kate Winslet, who is also our Kate in spirit. <laughs> She's ours <laughs> now. Uh, but I was doing that. graphics and props for that, and uh, it was so brutal. I ended up getting carpal tunnel, oh, no. and that's why I didn't really go back to it. I was like, this is pretty uh, full on, and the days are so long, and yeah. it's just, I don't think it suits me. My uh, arm hurts. <laughs> I'm going to take a break. Uh, it seems like, yeah, movies, like, they're so demanding for what, like this, you just got lots of changes. Lots of changes, lots of time, and they kind of take advantage of people who want to work on the movies because there are people who want to, you know, like a lot of people, are like I'd love to work on movies. Oh my god, I would die. I would literally die. Yeah, but then, you know, if it's getting affecting your life, like yeah, getting carpal tunnel. Or this is like, like the animation industry too, yeah, right? Yeah, everyone just gets overworked. Mm. Um, doesn't allow much time to follow your own pursuits and do your own artwork and yeah definitely what, what would what would you call the role like set design or like graphic design uh graphics and prop making yeah, i was also on oh what's that oh there's like a australian tv show set in fitzroy melbourne i'm looking it up is it jack irish Maybe you're I, just Googling Fitzroy TV show. I, d- don't look over my shoulder. <laughs> I found it. Um, so I worked on this show called Offspring. Oh, yes, yes I do. That one was pretty brutal. It was like, oh, it was just, yeah, really long days. And um, mm. I think the the team were a bit under a bit of stress. And at almost all these jobs, I was like, Anyone that I had a desk at, I was eating my lunch at my desk. It was full on. And super stressful. Did you get to interact with the actors at all or was this very much like goblins behind the scene kind of No, kind of thing? I'm a goblin through and through. <laughs> yeah, they're like, don't hassle the talent. I didn't yeah. even get to see Kate Winslet in person. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> just like dragging your poor like carpal tunneled hand around just like, Kate, Kate. <laughs> Where are you, Kate? <laughs> Do you oh, need any not... more documents made? <laughs> yes. Speaking of carpal tunnel, uh, you, you hinted at, oh, for, for listeners listeners at home, mm. uh, Ashley also plays music, plays in bands. Uh, she does. And you hinted at a bit of a fun link maybe with today's movie. Yes, oh, I've yeah. Got a special story for you. Uh so my band Eat Man, who are now broken up, uh, we had our last beautiful show last year in between lockdowns, just when um, there was like a, like we could ha- almost have a, a venue room full of people. Yeah. It was like a very magical weekend. It mm-hmm. was great. Uh, but that was like a nice so yeah. we've always been a band that love dressing up mm-hmm. and um, there's a, there's a, duo music label called Psychic Hysteria in Melbourne and they've also they've always put on really fun Halloween gigs oh yeah and that was kind of like on our band bucket list like oh I hope they let us play one of these shows and they (laughs) asked us to play a Halloween show and we were so excited but also that year I was kind of like on call to go back to Canberra and help my mum uh with it she was getting a knee replacement Okay. Oh, wow, yeah. And I was only going to get two weeks' notice, and sadly, I got the call. Um, oh, So I had to no. go back to Canberra. But I knew how important this gig was, and I said to the band, please do it without me. Do not replace me, but you can play without, <laughs> you can play without bass guitar. <laughs> um, Very fair. And they had been planning to dress up as um, the Adams Family. Oh, wow. Oh my and god. 
So beautiful Eric, our front person who like does these incredible draggy looks, um, mm-hmm. dressed up as Debbie. Oh, right. <laughs> oh my maybe God. Like, inspired, yeah. Yes. Maybe Debbie's first look in like all in white. Yes. Very beautiful. Yes. Uh, Hamish, the drummer, was Uncle Fester. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, version though? Important to, to – is this post – Post Debbie Uncle Fester with like the blonde wig and oh, like the, the yeah, blue the blue no. turtleneck. <laughs> no, I think it was just like your classic Uncle Fester yep. bald cap yep, yep. dressed in black. Yeah, with oh, the man. weird like I don't know what they put under his like coat, but it's it's the talking like head he, suit. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's he, it's like he has no neck. His like head is like pulled yeah. into his body. <laughs> yes. And then, just to go on a little side tangent for a second, but when he is dressed. By Debbie when she's uh-huh. like, you can't dress like this anymore and puts him in like a, a white suit with that page blue mm. wig. The fact that he has no neck, they do a really good gag where they dress him in a turtleneck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's There's just nowhere like for it to this go. folded up little thing <laughs> under his chin. Oscar the guitarist, who's beautiful and tall, uh, mm-hmm. was dressed as Lurch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Amazing. And uh, so they looked beautiful all together I think they picked some great characters and because I was missing out um they called me while they were getting ready and we I, we did like a video call and I was watching them do makeup and stuff that was fun and then for the gig uh which was in the tote front bar mm-hmm. uh they got a photo of me pulling devil horns or something <laughs> um, black and white framed put it on the bass amp with electric candles around it oh it it looked like i was dead (laughs) and it was a memorial to me and they told me about it i was like please make sure people know that i'm not dead (laughs) it's very funny but i don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or make anyone too excited but in the adam's family uh, world that's yeah (laughs) and then a friend video called me for the gig and it sounded like crap through the phone but uh, also, it's it was just so the tote front bar. To <laughs> oh, that sounds incredible! Man, that rocks. Well, um, who did you plan on dressing up as before you got called away on duty? Oh, I, I wasn't fully decided, but I was probably going to go Wednesday or Morticia. Um, there's a really, really awesome costume shop near my house, and I would have probably gone there and and went to see what was available. Oh wow. It's this really fabulous, like, giant warehouse full of, like, just thousands of costumes. It's the one, like, near Coburg, right? Yeah. 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 So fab. Um, Do they have a cousin it outfit, which would be extremely hard to (gasps) play music (laughs) Oh, I mean, I'll find out for you, Sam. Yeah, maybe we can go down and uh, (laughs) hire Adam's family costumes. Yes. Um, I demand <laughs> photos of this, Ashley. I've got um, photos. I'll, I'll send them. I'll make it the um, the episode photo <laughs> of, <laughs> of you with um, the photo, like the in memoriam, Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> the frame photo. Like big letters underneath. Not dead. Yeah. Not dead. Yeah, yeah. I've probably asked you as well. This is another fucking mm. side tangent. Not really relevant at all, except for maybe the... Uh, sect who are into illustration <laughs> that sort of stuff but eat man is that based off the old uh was it a manga or anime yes you I got it seeing um ads for it in oh, like comics or magazines or something all the time maybe it was like the old video game magazines when i was a kid and mm. have ads for you know buy these anime tapes or manga or whatever yeah yeah it was a manga oh so that is Glad to hear so. I don't know if anyone's guessed that before. Well done. Oh, really? It's just yeah. Yeah, it's such a funny combination of words that when I saw that you'd named your band Eat Man, I was like, I bet it's that. <laughs> Ashley's yeah, a nerd. Sam's nerdy. a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> you guys get it. <laughs> Not me. I'm cool. <laughs> I'm a cool jock. I'm cool. I'm just into podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not nerdy at all. Anyway, here's a hyper niche podcast about day bills, fucking movies, rotoscope lightning. <laughs> um, I think that we should probably uh, get around to chatting about the rotoscope lightning of uh, this film, 
which was featured, I believe, just at the end um, scene. Oh, yes, 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 yes. yes. Where, where Debbie uh, has you know, kind of captured the the Adams family unit <laughs> and she's somehow managed to strap them up to these um uh like electric chairs. Electric chairs. But they have like seven or how many just <laughs> like, the perfect just amount like full of electric chairs. And <laughs> yeah. all, the whole family is tied up. And when she uh is about to to pull the lever to electrocute the family. This oh. like Rube Goldberg <laughs> yeah. machine kind of so sets up. <laughs> I love that they introduced Baby Pube, the iconic uh, hero of the film. Yes, <laughs> uh, who is basically there as a little plot device at the start, and then any scene with Pubert is just like, as Phoebe said, a Rube Goldberg machine of like <laughs> goth babies day out. Um, <laughs> contraption of things happen so what he like pulls a knife off of his um mobile yeah he's in his little like crib which is a coffin yeah and he has a mobile made out of knives and you see the little baby hand reach up and pull down a knife cut a (laughs) hole in the side of the coffin then he like crawls out gets on the banister of the stairs Uh uh-huh knocks over a bowling ball somewhere anyway but basically so the baby gets by this big Rube Goldberg machine, the baby gets launched way up into the air, <laughs> through the glass, through the ceiling, flies up <laughs> next to a knit passing plane. Yes. <laughs> and then falls all the way back down, lands in the attic with all the electric chairs uh, into a pile of cables. Debbie pulls the switch and you see some beautifully rotoscope lightning mm-hmm. traveling along the cables. Mm-hmm. And then Pubert puts two cables together Mm -hmm. and that somehow causes the electricity to go backwards to hit (laughs) Debbie and electrocute her. I I don't know where you're confused about this, Sam. It's um, The the science is is correct. Science is correct. Babies, cables. Cables, science. And she does Ashley, do you mind just um, you know, as the as the science nerd in the group here, do you mind just confirming the science on this one for us? Science trips to Canberra. Oh yeah, we did like a, a day where we all electrocuted each other. Um, <laughs> it, that's science. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, and in the movie, so you would know firsthand that when people get electrocuted, they sort of float in the air, mm-hmm. their the limbs stretched out, <laughs> and their hair goes really, really big, and they pull funny faces. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then very, very colourful um, lightning bolts appear. Oh, yes, it's, it's, that is some top-notch, real uh, good stuff. Good lightning going on. One one thing I was thinking about with the posters for this whole exhibition and the lightning is that a lot of it happens right at the end of the film, and it had me concerned. Like, if I do that scene with the lightning in it on the poster, is it a spoiler? We had this similar conversation with Ria when we were talking about Howard the Duck. And I think that we landed on that. I don't think anyone that's going in to see these movies are completely unaware. This movie is nearly thirty years old. Yeah, (laughs) I think I think we can we can get away with some visual spoilers. I think I think it'll be okay. No one no one will admonish you for for its inclusion. Yeah, also like don't want to limit you too much. Yeah, totally. Because yeah, this movie really only has like one scene. Some of the other movies have much more to sort of yeah. farm out. But, mm. uh, yeah, it's, the amount of lightning wasn't a, rec- a prerequisite, I believe, for Ben's. Mm. Yes. It's, like, it's just <laughs> as long as there was some, it was yeah. for the festival. That's it. Um, I think I think you're uh, you're in the clear if you if you include it. I do set myself too many rules sometimes around my illustrations, but I've just got to be like, this is a silly movie. Do whatever you want. Oh, for sure. And I totally get that too. I think like sometimes you you don't even realize you're setting those rules for yourself. But yeah, I don't think anyone going into this hasn't already seen these movies. Like, um, if you haven't seen the movies, come along and watch the movies in Brisbane. Uh, August fifth, New Farm Cinema. Yeah, that's right. Perfect opportunity to see some uh, movies.
movies, as you said, silly movies, but that is their strength. I think when movies are like unabashedly unafraid to embrace that silly side, which is a big part of the Adams family DNA. Definitely. And also, you know, like to to kind of wrap wrap things up a little bit, like this movie I think is similar to Howard the Duck in that it is a perfect encapsulation of how style and visual aesthetic of a film can really do so much heavy lifting and how important it is to really, really like lean in on that, especially for movies like this or stories like this that have like these kind of crazy outlandish characters. Like you've got to commit to the visual style of it for it to be believable. And there's something really lovely about the Adams family specifically where this was, you know, a, a a cast of characters that was designed by a fucking weirdo. Like this guy, <laughs> this guy was a freakazoid. And this was in the fifties, mind you, when he, when he first um, created this character, these characters. And I think that, um, you know, this movie coming out in the nineties post like satanic panic as well, like in, in that era, you know, it's easy for us to look back at it now and be like, oh yeah, goths are goths. But like, these characters were like super, super countercultural, yeah. like in this in this time, you know. Yeah, we had a quick chat before uh, about how um, th- at this point in time, like the it works at this point in time because there wasn't this sort of culture of like uh, I'm going to use the shorthand mall goth. Uh, <laughs> mall goth. Know, like where it wasn't a cool, trendy uh, sort of fashionable thing. For people to be uh, <laughs> social <laughs> freaks, goths uh, were goth, very social much social outcasts. Freaks, you know yeah, I mean? like the Adams family, and a lot of the humor plays into that sort of them being the fish out of water in a mm-hmm. in a modern world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't. I think if this was made, you know, like even the next year, like two thousand, late nineties, uh, they probably would have tried to make it them seem a bit more realistic in a way, or. Ah. more realistic and they wouldn't have lent into that sort of that campy sort of visual kind of almost it's like like, it's almost got like a john watersy kind of vibe to it you know trashy americana yeah Mm. edward like craziness yeah edward wood yeah exactly and you can you can see how yeah like if this was revisited in that like 2000s era they might have tried to put like a gritty spin on it though sam said ashley that apparently tim burton's going to be rebooting um the adams family wednesday tv show he's i'm not sure what involved but he's attached to it so in weird synchronicity yet again, we get <laughs> yes. a reboot Adam's Family TV show and also uh-huh. the Adam's Family rivals, the, uh, monsters. the monsters, are getting a also reboot by oh. a little man named Rob Zombie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I assume both of these projects are probably going to come around, uh, come oh. out at a certain time. Man. Just like the old days. Oh my God. I'm I'm really a lot of our friends probably fall into the spooky category. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) 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 A lot of uh, freaks, weirdos, and goths. Exactly. We we love them all. Yeah, go um go have a beer at the bar at the Tote Hotel in uh in Fitzroy Fitzroy Melbourne. Oh, is the Tote still open? Or Netherworld? Yeah. Yeah, Dedizens, Dedizens. That is all that we have time for today. Ashley, thank you so, so much for joining us today on the podcast and for taking part in this festival and the art show. We're so, so lucky to have you joining us. To see more from Ashley, follow at Ashley Running and at Helio Press on Instagram or click through the links in our bio. Ashley, is there anything you want to plug or...? Or I think uh, within the next... Like in a in maybe two months' time, I'm gonna have an open studio here in Melbourne. So oh, keep oh. an eye on my socials for that. Awesome. Very nice. You can find Ashley's amazing daybill poster and the rest of the gang together on opening night of Borf. 
Brisbane-only Rotoscope Lightning Film Festival, which opens on July 29th at New Farm Cinemas in Brisbane. The Adams Family double feature is showing on Friday, the 5th of August. Both of these films are gorgeous and fun and <laughs> family-friendly, um, with a, a dark undercurrent. A spooky asterisk. <laughs> it's like, there's one, yeah, there's a scene, what is it like when they're leaving the wedding and Debbie Jelinski is dressed as Jackie O? And I was like, kids aren't wow. going to They're not going to get that reference, but hey, that, that's why it's great. Um, we hope to see you all there. You can buy tickets for opening night and for all of the subsequent screenings at www.borf.com. That is B-O-R-L-F-F.com. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on, Angel. It's been such an absolute blast chatting to you about this crazy film. Yay, thanks for having me. <laughs> of thank course. You. Um, love you, gang, from me and Sam and the most disgusting unsolved crimes of America. Have a good one. Catch you next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>